And welcome, everybody, to the Pac-Man Podcast. Patriotic American citizen, I am the Pac-Man, Ted Flint. Good to be along with you. If you're listening to this for the first time, it's Wednesday morning. And uh, so this uh, show, I'm recording it on Monday night. And Andrew Cuomo is, as you're listening to this, is the former governor of New York State. He stepped down Monday night, 11.59 p.m. And, you know, the guy had the gall, <laughs> the chutzpah, to say his final goodbyes. A big press conference Monday. I didn't see it. I, I couldn't stomach another minute of Andrew Cuomo. His press conference. He said his final goodbyes. Like, can you imagine the chutzpah from this guy? I mean, leave already. He, he's left. Nobody likes this guy. Even Democrats don't like him. A few New York City libtards may like him, but he wore out his welcome in New York State, but he didn't see it. He still doesn't. He thinks people are actually going to miss him. Talk about egotistical and arrogant and haughty. And those are his good points, frankly. frankly. Haughty. We're in Proverbs. I'm going to digress a bit here. Proverbs, I think Proverbs 6, Sunday at church. And, it, and, and haughtiness is one of the seven attributes that God despises. And Cuomo has it in spades. This guy is was an abomination, especially the last year or two of his term. I mean, he served over a decade as governor of New York State. He sent 15,000 people to their deaths in state nursing homes. He had the Mario Cuomo, formerly Tappensee Bridge debacle, the $5 million book deal in which the governor tried to sell to the American people and certainly to New Yorkers how well he did handling the COVID pandemic. And then there are the horrendous policy decisions, signing the SAFE Act into law in the dead of night with very little legislative oversight. He banned hydraulic fracturing or fracking for short, extracting natural gas from shale deposits deep in the ground. That would have been a boon to New York's economy, but he bans it. Kathy Hochul, will she continue his policies? Probably. She's a liberal, but she's from Erie County. That's her, I guess, that's the one positive thing we can take away from Kathy Hochul. We don't know much about her. We're going to find out more about her in the coming days and weeks and months. But she does not hail from New York City or from downstate. That's a good thing. That's about the only thing I think she has going for her. What if she's worse than Cuomo? She could be worse. You know, there's an old saying, the devil you know. So we don't know much about Kathy Hochul. We didn't, and, and, and Cuomo kept her under wraps purposely for, for a decade. We didn't know much about her. Even at the, uh, the final goodbye, the swan song, the big press conference, she was not to be seen. And that's the way Cuomo handles things. It's all about him. He does not share the limelight with anybody. So his administration, thankfully, is in the rearview mirror, but there are some big issues out there. COVID-19 is uh, still going strong. The Delta variant, as we know, the schools are set to reopen in, in a couple of weeks. And there are some big decisions that should be made about uh, whether kids are going to have to wear masks, whether students and teachers will have to be vaccinated. And it should not be a state issue. That should be an issue decided by localities. But of course, that's not how New York does anything. It's all about state control, state government, centralized control, and it's kind of the way Democrats do things. That's the way they do things in Washington. That's the way they do things everywhere. There's very little uh, input from taxpayers or from constituents. It's like they're, they're the dictators. They make the decisions, and that's all there is to it, and we have to abide by them. Well, I think there should be some kind of civil disobedience if these clowns in Albany try to uh, initiate a, a mask mandate. 
Now, they already have it for workers in the assembly. Carl Hasty, a Democrat, liberal from New York City, has said if you work for the assembly, you need to have a mask on if you're, if you're indoors, basically, inside the state capitol, inside the legislative office building. And I try to comply with that as much as I can do it. I'm not going to walk around with a mask around all day. I'm just not going to do it. And I think if more and more people just say, hey, you know what? We, we tried the mask mandate. There may be some protection from masks, very little from the surgical masks. Maybe from the N95, you get some protection. But I, I see these clowns walking around with masks outdoors. They're still walking around like we, we think the, uh, the, the uh, pandemic is in the beginning stages, as we did a year and a half ago. We didn't know much about it. People thought, well, these, these aerosol droplets hang in the air for three hours after somebody sneezes or whatever. They don't. They don't live on countertops for three days. They don't do that. We know they don't do that. So why, the, why are we treating this, man, uh, this pandemic as though it's brand new? It's, it's not. But people are, you know, they're afraid. The same, same people. You can tell who they voted for just by <laughs> whether or not they're wearing a mask outdoors. All right, so Cuomo's done, and uh, the Kathy Hochul era begins. We don't know how long it's going to be. There's going to be an election next November, not this November, but November 22. So maybe uh, we'll get a Republican governor. If ever there were a time that's possible, it's now. Looks as though Rob Astorino is uh, gunning to be the Republican nominee. There are some other people, Rudy Giuliani's kids running and uh, who else? I'm forgetting somebody. You know, I don't know where the money is headed. I think Astorino is probably has the inside track, but I'm not an expert on this, but we'll talk more about it as the time gets closer. The other thing is obviously the, uh, the debacle in Afghanistan. Mission failure, as Pat Buchanan wrote this week, appears complete. Biden tucked tail and he, he ran. He's, you know, I don't, I don't fault him for wanting to get out the way in which he did it. I mean, we have at least 15,000 American citizens trapped in Afghanistan. That country is being run by the Taliban. Biden puts up this, you know, this uh, artificial deadline. It's not artificial now, August 31st, that everybody's got to be out of there. He said every American who wants to be out of there will be, will be uh, set free. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's his Saigon, Saigon Joe. I mean, we, we, we saw what happened when we cut tail and ran in, Af in uh, Vietnam in 1970, I think 73. Three it was, and by 75, Saigon had fallen to the communists, and the same thing is going to happen here. The Taliban already in control of Afghanistan. You know something? We, we spent, I think, a trillion dollars, a trillion-dollar project to plant Western democracy in a Muslim nation, fabled, as Pat Buchanan put it, for driving out imperial intruders. So 20 years we've been there, America's longest war. I don't know how many American lives were lost. 4,000 maybe, I think 7,000 between Afghanistan and Iraq. And all of a sudden, the Taliban are back in power. Now, we routed them after 9-11. That's why George W. Bush went in. We got some of the people responsible for the attacks on 9-11. I, I won't say all of them, but we routed the Taliban. We should have just gotten in, kicked some backside and gotten out. But we stayed there. We tried a nation build, as we do all the time. I mean, billions of dollars in training and, and arming a force of 350,000 Afghani troops. They weren't up to the uh, task. And, I, and, and Trump said at a rally in Alabama over the weekend, $83 billion in armaments. We just leave. They have them. They have U.S. arms. It's like it's been likened 
are abandoning the Afghan people to the Bay of Pigs, JFK's Bay of Pigs. And the final U.S. departure from Hamid Karzai's International Airport, I think it's going to become like the Bay of Pigs. It's a, a synonym for American failure. Thank you, Joe Biden. What's he have to say about it? There is no way to evacuate this many people without pain and loss of heartbreaking images you see on television. But we have a long way to go. And a lot could still go wrong. <laughs> you can say that again. A lot has already gone wrong. You know, three decades ago, after the breakup of the former Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War, Republican Senator Richard Lugar said that NATO, having lost the rationale for its existence, containment of the Soviet Union would now have to go out of area or go out of business. 9-11, the most successful alliance in history, invoked Article 5 and backed the U.S. war to oust the Taliban and annihilate the al-Qaeda terrorists who had carried out 9-11. And there were troops sent. Many sent troops. Many of these NATO countries sent troops. While there are about 4,000 U.S. troops at the Kabul airport, the U.S. control does not extend beyond the airport perimeter. So our mission is over in Afghanistan. Our longest war is coming to an end. Now, when asked if U.S. troops could enter Kabul and extract American citizens, our defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, replied, I don't have the capability to go out and extend operations currently into Kabul. Americans in Kabul and other cities must make their own way to the Kabul airport. Now, we are the U.S. of A. We have the strongest military on the planet. If we wanted to go in and get those troops, we could do it. And there's nothing the Taliban could do about it. We could just crush them. But we're not going to do that. You know, Tucker Carlson said something. It was so profound, so simple, yet profound. As, as the poet once said, or wrote, I can't think which, which poet it was, but the essence of brilliance is simplicity. And Carlson said something to the effect, and I loved it. The U.S. government exists to serve U.S. citizens, period. It has no other purpose, folks. The U.S. government was not created to provide safe haven for foreign nationals or to provide free education and housing to illegal aliens. It exists to serve you and me, U.S. citizens. That's it. Biden pulled up stakes, left thousands of Americans to fend for themselves, basically, in a nation controlled by the Taliban. Arrogance? <laughs> you better believe it. Now, he promised to bring home every American who wants to leave. Now, some of these Americans, there are missionaries, Christian missionaries, some of them. Some of them wanted, are teaching the, the Afghan people other languages. And you can bet that the Christians are already being targeted. The Taliban are going door to door and asking Afghan citizens if they're pro-American, if they've helped Americans, if they have Bibles, and those people are being targeted. It's an awful thing. We've seen the images of those newborn babies, these very young children, mothers handing them off to U.S. soldiers, just handing them by the arms and by the legs, just tossing them like they're a bale of hay, like they're bales of hay to U.S. soldiers. I mean, the, the desperation, and I'm not faulting the parents, that's how desperate they are to get their children out of there because they know the fate that awaits them. It's a sad thing. We need to be out of Afghanistan. We should have been out long ago. We don't belong there. Why do we need to nation build? 
Why do we need to be in the Middle East? Is it to protect Israel? Israel is certainly capable of protecting itself with U.S. armaments. If, we need, if they need us, obviously we should be there for them. But Israel has somebody a lot bigger than the U.S. military fighting for them. And, and the Lord has been fighting Israel's battles for a long time. They just don't see it. But one day they will. One day they all will. We are the Pac-Man Podcast, and we're, we're heard on the BMG Network, among other networks, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, the, all kinds of different places to listen to us. All right, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit here, about a minute or two, about COVID-19. Our COVID overlords, as Scott Moorfield put it, they have this insane ignorance of natural immunity. Now, I've gotten my first shot. That's, that's something that's new since the last time we spoke. I've gotten the first of two Pfizer shots. The second one, I'm going to get on September 2nd. And my wife is going to get hers. Now, we've held out long enough. My daughter has to get her shot or else they, they're going to kick her off the SUNY Albany campus. And I don't have enough time to go into this, but these, these rules, that it, we're rule-laden uh, on this, uh, the, the COVID pandemic. And a lot of these rules never made any sense. I mean, let's face it. There is a 99.5% survival rate. Still, the appalling lack of, of scientific rigor in, in some of these people, some of these so-called experts, they're tone deaf when it comes to natural immunity. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I've read some lengthy studies about natural immunity. Some virologists and immunologists will say that natural immunity is much better than any, pan, than any uh, vaccine they can give you. And I, I believe that. But these so-called uh, experts with the CDC, they insist everyone should be vaccinated to participate in any aspect of indoor life, college life, uh, work life for me. I work for the New York State Assembly. But they pretend those who have had the virus already pose just as much of a threat as a random asymptomatic carrier. And that's just not the case. There is ample data out there for those who want to look for it, showing that natural immunity provides effectiveness against severe disease from SARS-CoV-2. Somebody was saying this on Dr. Nicole Sapier, appeared on Fox News recently. She called uh, the CDC myopic. They don't want to see the obvious. And I don't have a lot of time to go into it. We'll talk about it in the future. But thanks for tuning us in. And again, if you want to listen to us, we're on the BMG Network with a host of other fine programs. There's the Ken and Mike Show, the Ken Burns Show, uh, Mic'd Up with Mike Hansen. He's got a fine program. Of course, set apart from Kristen Coons, or with Kristen Coons, I should say, and uh, Adrian Ross and her fine show. Every day, a new show on the BMG Network. This program airs uh, for the first time each week, Wednesday morning, and you can listen to it. And uh, I usually have another show uh, later in the week as well. And we have columns up there too. The Pack Perspective, that's a column I write. I try to write at least once a week. So, so much fine programming. Again, go to the BMG Network. And if you want to get in contact with me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, all lowercase, at the BMGnetwork.com. Thanks for tuning us in, folks. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.